American history is full of the good, bad, and everything in between. But in the end, these are our stories. Today's journey into American history will take you through the hunt for gold, the Indian Removal Act, and Hernando de Soto. Our episode today is on the Georgia Gold Rush. So pull up a chair and join your host, Jacob, for another episode of The History Book. Hello and welcome everyone to a brand new edition of The History Book. As today's introduction said, we will be discussing the discovery of everyone's favorite valuable metal, gold. Yes, gold. We are going to take this way back to when Georgia was explored by the Spanish and founded by the English. So let's talk a little bit about that Spanish exploration into Georgia. The man that would lead that expedition is, as I said in the introduction, Hernando de Soto. He was a major factor in helping Pizarro conquer the Inca people in Peru. By 1539, de Soto had returned to Spanish, Spain, and had come back to land outside of Tampa Bay, Florida. De Soto and his men pillaged and destroyed up the Florida coast, taking slaves and a young 17-year-old Georgian boy named Pedro that guided them. He was treated better because of his value to the Spanish. Ever since the first Spanish conquistadors landed in the New World, they had been given rumors of a certain valuable metal all over the place. That's right, gold. Gold had been rumored all across the New World, and Georgia was no exception. Hernando de Soto was indeed in Georgia to explore, but he was also there to take the resources, and especially the gold. While de Soto didn't find gold in his expedition, those rumors continued to persist. Those rumors would follow the area of Georgia into its colonization. On February 12, 1733, James Oglethorpe founded the British colony of Georgia, which was administrated by the trustees for the establishment of the colony of Georgia in America or also known as the longest possible name they could come up with to name a colony. Now, Georgia's original colonial plan, or the Oglethorpe Plan, called for a settlement of yeoman farmers and prohibited slavery. This clearly didn't last very long. The colony in Georgia was invaded by the Spanish in 1742 during the War of Jenkins' Ear, which is another fascinating story for another day. But ten years later, Georgia's trustees ran out of money and had to turn over the colony to the British clown. And it became a royal colony with a new royal governor. Georgia obviously joined the rest of the 13 colonies in revolting against Britain and eventually winning independence. Probably because of that extremely long colonial name in the beginning. Georgia would ratify the Constitution on January 2, 1788 making it the fourth state. By 1813, Georgia was engaged in a Creek War, where a certain General Andrew Jackson gained more territory for the state by forcing the Creek tribes to surrender the land in the Treaty of Fort Jackson in 1814. This brings us to the discovery of gold in the North Georgia Mountains. Before we get into gold in Georgia, we need to talk about a previous gold rush in what is probably my favorite state, North Carolina. This gold rush began with Conrad Reed found a 17-pound stone in Little Meadow Creek in Cabarrus County. Yes, 17-pound stone. 
I did double check that just to make sure that I wasn't um, reading something wrong. Turns out it was a 17 pound stone. I couldn't believe it myself. This discovery led to the Carolina Gold Rush in 1804 and exploded when Matthias Beringer discovered a gold vein along the Long Creek in Stanley County. This gold vein stretched north into Virginia and south to South Carolina, Alabama, and most importantly for us today, Georgia. So right now, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll talk about how the many stories of how gold was found in Georgia. Hello everyone, this is Jacob, the host of The History Book, here to remind you that you can find The History Book on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as on our website, www.thehistorybook20.wixsite.com backslash the history book thanks and enjoy the rest of the episode welcome back to the show and now it is time for what i'm sure you've all been patiently waiting for it's time for us to go find some gold various stories exist of how this gold was discovered in georgia so let's take a look at each individual one first some stories suggest that frank logan discovered gold with his slave in white county on duke's creek most stories say that it was a slave that found the gold, but typical of that time, and in honest, much of the time after that, he was not given credit, and Logan was. At around the same time, another miner from North Carolina, John Withrod, discovered a three-ounce nugget along the same creek. Good thing it wasn't 17 pounds. Yet still another story emerged from Duke's Creek, which apparently should have been named Gold Creek, but I digress. Thomas Bowen apparently found said gold, and a storm-blown tree along the creek. Another North Carolina prospector, Jesse Hogan, is also reported to have found gold near Ward's Creek. The last story is that of Benjamin Parks, who found gold in 1828 while on a walk along a deer path. He and his business partner, Joel Stevens, then leased the land from Reverend O'Barr. Oh, and by the way, he found this gold on his birthday, so that must have been a nice present. However, none of these stories have really any support for their validity, although the amount of reports coming from Duke's Creek would suggest the gold was definitely found there first. It also goes to suggest that most of the prospectors that had moved down from North Carolina probably were not the first to find it, but had heard that gold had been discovered in Georgia and moved from the mine mines in North Carolina down to Georgia. This really is how things would end up working uh, as a bit of a spoiler report, here at the end of the Georgia Gold Rush to the California Gold Rush. However, back to our story. Despite these various first discoveries, gold was discovered in 1828, and the rush began in 1829 in Lumpkin County. One of the first accounts comes from the Georgia Journal that wrote, Two gold mines have just been discovered in this county, and preparations are making to bring these hidden treasures of the earth to use. So it appears that what we long anticipated has come to pass at last, namely that the gold region of North and South Carolina will be found to extend into Georgia, end quote. At this point, thousands of miners rushed into North Georgia, which at that time was still Cherokee Nation. Benjamin Parks, the man that reportedly first discovered the gold, would go on to recount the scene when the gold stories reached out to the nation. Parks said, quote, the news got abroad in such excitement you never saw. It seemed within a few days as if the whole world must have heard of it. For men came from every state I had heard of. They came afoot on horseback in wagons 
acting more like crazy men than anything else. All the way from Dolanege now stands to Knucklesville. There were men panning out of the branches and making holes in the hillsides. End quote. I apologize for any Georgian person listening to me mispronounce these very, uh, would, would probably seem easy words to pronounce. <laughs> of course, with all these miners entering the Cherokee territory, issues began prevalent. The Cherokee Phoenix even wrote, quote, Our neighbors who regard no law and pay no respect to the laws of humanity are now reaping a plentiful harvest. We are an abused people, end quote. This rush of miners would be known to the Cherokee as the Great Intrusion. With the influx of miners, a brand new U.S. Mint was created called the Dahlonegi Mint. By the time the Mint closed in 1861, it produced 1.5 million gold coins, with a value of over $6 million in today's money. With this now federal confirmation of the gold rush, the Cherokee became a burden that would have to be taken care of. With that, the man you all know and probably don't like very much, Andrew Jackson, now president, stepped in. Two years after gold was found in northern, northern Georgia, President Jackson authorized the Indian Removal Act of 1830, culminating in what would be, come to be called the Trail of Tears. The Cherokee Nation did sue the federal government and got their case to the Supreme Court. Well, initially, the court ruled in favor of the state of Georgia. However, in 1832, my guy, Chief Justice John Marshall, set out the relationship between the federal and state governments and the native tribes. However, this decision did not state that the federal government was obligated to prevent Georgia from taking that Cherokee land. Therefore, President Jackson reportedly stated, quote, John Marshall has made his decision, now let him enforce it, end quote. Jackson also wrote to John Coffey, quote, The decision of the Supreme Court has fell stillborn, and find that they cannot coerce Georgia to yield to its mandate, end quote. Despite this, President Jackson clearly had no intention to use his authority to protect the Cherokee over state law, especially since at the time he was enveloped in the nullification crisis, again, another topic saved for another time, but there are plenty of really great podcasts that have touched on a nullification crisis, such as my friends over at the Civil War Breakfast Club. Once the Cherokee were removed from their land, the state of Georgia held the Gold Lottery of 1832 and awarded that land in 40-acre tracts. With the Cherokee removed and the land up for the taking, the Georgia Gold Rush boomed until the 1840s, when the gold mining sharply declined and the gold became played out. Now before we get to the end of the Georgia Gold Rush, we're going to take a brief ad break, but when we come back, you'll hear how the gold rush moved and what the famous quote I mentioned is from the beginning. Thank you for staying tuned through that brief ad break and welcome back to the show. Now, as many of you may know, the Georgia Gold Rush is obviously not the most famous gold rush, and sadly, neither is the North Carolina Gold Rush. And clearly, neither of these gave an NFL team a name. Yes, I am talking about the California Gold Rush. News spread quickly after James Marshall, 
found gold on Sutter's Mill in Colma, California. People began to rush out to California in the spring of 1848. Yes, 48, not 49. They should be the San Francisco 48ers, not the 49ers. I will die on this hill. Only a small number actually traveled overland to California. Probably around 500 people at best estimates now. But despite this, many of the Georgia miners do still leave for California. In steps the A-sayer of the U.S. Mint in Georgia, M.F. Stevenson. Stevenson was born in Virginia in 1802 and worked as a miner, geologist, and mineralogist, though he never went to school for any of these. He worked as an A-sayer throughout the Georgia Gold Rush, and as the gold seemingly ran out in Georgia and news of gold in California reached the southeast, Stevenson found himself trying to prevent people from leaving the state. He stood in the middle of the town square and yelled at those leaving, quote, Why go to California? In that ridge lies more gold than man ever dreamt of. There's millions in it. End quote. This phrase was apparently retold to one Samuel Clemens, who made Stevenson his character Mulberry Sellers and his novi the novel The American Claimant. Clemens coined the phrase into, quote, There's gold in their hills. There's millions in it. And if you're wondering if that name, Samuel Clemens, sounds familiar, he would go on by another name in his writings, writing such great novels as Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer, inspiring Rush hit singles. That man is one Mark Twain. Right now we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, I'll let you know when and what the next episode is going to be. Welcome back. Now, as another reminder, uh, if you didn't see this on the History Book Twitter quite a while ago, the month of April will be entirely Civil War month, which is the favorite month of the year, and we'll have a new episode every week, not every two weeks, so please make sure to stay tuned for that. For the time being, the next episode will be going out on March 24th at a normal time of 10 a.m., and that episode will cover a West Virginia topic. It will be the Battle of Blair Mountain. Until then, this has been Jacob with the History Book, and I'll see you next time.